Welcome everyone to a year in review with Concare, a series of four short interviews with SAP Concare leadership, partners and industry experts. My name is Miranda Waitman, Customer Solutions Expert SAP Concare. And I'm here today with Gethin Nadin, um, award-winning psychologist and best-selling author in, in HR and employee well-being. Um, thank you, Gethin, for joining us today. It'd be great to hear a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for having me. So, yes, yeah, best-selling employee experience and well-being author, a qualified psychologist, uh, been working in the HR tech space for 20 plus years. Um, I've done a lot of work with the UK government to advise them on the kind of future of work, employee well-being. So hopefully know what I'm talking about when it comes to employee well-being. Perfect. No, thank you, Gethin, for that. Um, it's great to have you here today as well with us. Um, so the event of the last three years significantly impacted people's lives and well-being. Um, but it'd be good to understand what, what are you seeing changing? What is becoming a top priority for employees today? So I think we've gone through several generation-defining events over the last couple of years, and that has fundamentally shifted the employer and employee relationship. So we're now in a situation for the first time ever where the employee is considered the most important stakeholder in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So most people around the world when surveyed would now put the employee above the needs of a customer, investor, shareholders. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty significant, and it shows you that that changing relationship means the employee's got more influence. And we're obviously now seeing in a very challenging hiring environment how difficult it is to attract and retain the right people. And that employee has got much more control in the relationship than they ever have. And so they're making a lot more demands on the employer. And this is where we're kind of seeing things like well-being come to the front, where employees are now demanding post-pandemic that they work with an organisation that supports them mm -hmm. and supports their well-being. And, and, and that's, a, again, probably a generational shift in attitudes, I think. No, Geffen, I do, I do agree with that. Financial well-being is crucial to employee well-being today. And even with inflation, it's pushing our stress levels to be even higher um, from, the, from the pandemic. So helping employees with their financial is way more significant than ever. Um, it'd be good to hear from your perspective, even from a HR management perspective. What are the ways are you seeing employees who can potentially explore and retain um, their workforce today? So I think on your first point, we should probably labour that a bit more because I think if you look at this growing sentiment that employees want more well-being at work, and most employers now, you know, 99% of the employers globally that I've surveyed have said that well-being is a top priority for them. Within that, financial well-being is a very core part of that. So if you think about when somebody worries about money, the impact that has on their physical well-being, their sleep, um, the impact it has on their emotional well-being. So we know that money is one of the biggest stresses in people's lives. It's the biggest strain on relationships. It's one of the key reasons why people lose sleep. Um, so financial well-being you know, is so integral to overall well-being and it influences so other different, all the other different pillars of well-being that I think if we're not focusing on financial well-being, we actually aren't solving the well-being problem at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and with lots of the customers I work with globally, what we've started to see is, for the first time ever again, people really wanting to support the finances of their people. And as you mentioned, this is not a new problem. We're in a cost of living crisis. We may or may not go into a recession. Um, but if you look back, this is a problem that started you know, way back in 2008. So the first financial crisis we had, you know, that inadvertently kind of really harmed the finances of people at the time under the age of 40. And they're the same people now that are at the brunt of the pandemic-induced recession, the financial impact of the pandemic. You know, the ONS found during the pandemic that 
people were more worried about their finances than they were about physically catching coronavirus. Mm. And so in this situation where money is being compounding and compounding, and the under 40s now, um, right across the world, are now the unluckiest generation in history in economic terms. And they're going to bear the brunt of whatever this recession looks like across the world in 2023. And so it's really important that we focus on financial well-being. And I think for the decades of research I've been doing, and I've worked with big banks and charities all around the world on financial well-being, we really have to kind of boil it down to how do we give people more confidence and control with dealing with their financial situation. And the employer can have a really big impact where traditionally some of the old support that people used to get isn't there anymore, so people are turning to the employer to help them all with their financial well-being. Geffen, yeah, that is a really interesting um, insight you've shared on employee expenses. Um, so does, does this mean that people will put more expenses through now? Absolutely, and I think expenses, you've just pointed to something out I think that's really, really important, that you know this is a, a process that's been around in most businesses for a long, long time. And so when we really focus on you know, what part does that have in employee well-being? If we strip it back, what we're effectively saying with well-being, and this is most of the research I've done over the last couple of years, is focused on this idea that if we want to get well-being right, it's not about going and buying a collection of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, well-being apps, mental health apps, those kind of things. It's changing how we structure organizations, and that includes the processes that we make and some of the decisions that we make in the workplace. And I think expenses is a really good example of you know, the research you guys have done at SAP Concur have found this out as well, that actually some of the decisions we're making, some of the processes we have in place are leaving people financially worse off. So if you think back to my earlier point about financial mm -hmm. being so important to the employee, we can't afford to make those process mistakes. So if we start making decisions around what expense platform we use, what expense processes and policies we have in place with a well-being lens, we start to see that actually some of the way that we treat people is not very fair and is pretty conducive to poor well-being, poor mm -hmm. financial well-being. So paying people late, not paying their full expenses, making the process difficult so people are having to spend you know, possibly their own time outside of normal working hours making expense claims because it's so difficult to do that. Um, and, and one of the most shocking things I think I found in the research that, that um, SAP Concur did is this idea that in this current environment where people are so squeezed, you know, Lloyd's found out recently that in the UK, um, most of their employees have got £500 or less in savings. And your research was pointing out that people were afraid of making some of these expenses decisions, oh, were afraid of submitting mm -hmm. expenses. So these people are worse off because of the expense system that they had in place. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's really alarming. That is true, yeah. We are seeing a lot of changes in the expense types nowadays and even the spending patterns, it has changed significantly. Um, in fact, SAP Concur is actually obviously using these insights which we're obtaining and actually looking into investments with our technology partners, but also new products, for example, VAT Reclaim, looking at AI machine learning, seeing if we can use that to help with um, these ta taxable items in expense reports. It'd be good to hear your view on the role of technology. Um, can it help companies embrace this change and uncertainty? And of course, I maintain employees' well-being. I, mean, I think you're spot on. When you look at the role that technology is playing, you know, we're, we're dealing with huge number and volume of different types of expenses that we never really mm. saw in the workplace before. So we've got wide-scale employers that are paying people to buy equipment to work from home, for example, mm. that might be paying for meal allowances or might be paying for travel. So in this disparate or hybrid working environment, there's lots of global customers I work with that are encouraging hybrid working. 
but want to get people to the office for you know town halls and all company meetings and so are funding their travel to encourage people to remove those points of friction so people can say yeah you know it's easy for you to come to the office let's make that as easy as possible and obviously the byproduct of that is a significant increase in the number and complexity of the different types uh, of expenses that are being submitted Mm -hmm. um, we also see a lot of customers now um, submitting well-being expenses which we never really used to see so employers giving funds or allocations of money to individuals to pay for spa days or breaks away from work or gym memberships and all these types of things and these kind of expenses have been fairly traditional in parts of Asia for a while where you pay for something yourself and you claim that back mm -hmm. but we're now seeing that wide scale right across the world and so um, there are more expenses for employees to submit, there's more complexity for the employer and as you've mentioned you know, some of these things come with tax implications that could be difficult to understand for both the employee and employer. Mm. So I mean you know, we, we have to use technology to get to grips with this. Anyone who's old enough to remember what it used to be like to submit expenses knows that it's very time consuming and technology can take these really complex processes and make that expense claim system so much easier for the employee and employer. And the easier we make it for the employee, the less likely we are to be in the situation that we've seen where employees are not submitting expenses yeah. uh, or not submitting their entire kind of allocation of expenses. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's critical. I think the complexity and depending on the size of your organization, obviously the, the size of the sheer volume of expenses, I don't know in modern times how you do that without technology. No, I completely agree with that. Obviously even with SAP Concur going from helping customers um, who used to have a complete manual process to an automated process and even seeing users receiving yeah. their feedback again, it has made things easier and focusing of course on stuff that matters doing their job and, and we, outside. Absolutely and we've also seen um, you know I think since the pandemic began the only constant we see in the world of work now is change and so we have very complex rules being changed you know, throughout the pandemic you had HR and payroll teams having to re respond very quickly and effectively to changes in rules and tax rules and allocations. We've seen last year, you know, tax came in and then went away and we're seeing all these complex changes happen. And so people have to keep on top of that regulation change. And I think, again, technology plays a really, really significant part in how we keep, keep on top of an ever-changing world when it comes to, oh, to kind of those processes. Thank you, Geffen, for that answer. So now we've settled into 2023, what key trends are you seeing? So I think we're going to start to see well-being play a more significant part in the experience at work. So what we call the EVP, the Employee Value Proposition. So that is the deal somebody gets when they work with an organisation. And so effectively what we're starting to see now in our own research that I conducted over the last couple of years, 92% of people globally said that well-being or an organization's commitment to well-being was now the number one priority when looking for another a new job. So in this complex and challenging hiring and firing environment we've got at the moment, employees themselves are saying, actually, the way you treat me, the way you look after my well-being, the culture of your organization, these are going to be more important in many cases than pay. And so that employee value proposition and designing that around a, a we care about you message, I think is something we're going to see a lot more of. And so that means that businesses have to move away from saying we care about you and acting like we care about you to actually putting the stuff in place that makes people think I do care about you. And I think bringing it back to expenses, just an example, if somebody doesn't get their expenses paid for weeks on end and they're out of pocket result, that doesn't feel like they're working for a caring employer. So regardless of what mental health charters you've signed and that kind of stuff, if people aren't feeling it with the actions you make and the processes um, that you have in place, 
that's going to be a really important part. So we're really seeing some of those back-end functions take centre stage, a kind of pay and expenses management, some of those HR processes. And so I think that's really important for us to understand that every part of the organisation plays a part in that creation and success of that employee value proposition. Um, so I think that's going to be really important. I think mm -hmm. that's um, also quite exciting to see because it plays to this change of relationship we talked about earlier with the employer and employee. Um, I think employers are going to continue to face pressure to step in where traditional support mechanisms um, haven't been in, uh, recently. So we're seeing more and more employers put the kind of benefits in place that are going to support people's physical health, their mental health, as well as their financial well-being. And so again, this total remuneration package is very much going to be designed around whatever goes on in your life. How am I going to support you through that? So mm -hmm. if you have a parent that falls ill, if you go through a divorce, if you fall into debt, how am I as an employer supporting you through life's challenges? I think that's going to continue to be um, a really, really big thing. And I think, you know, work is no longer transactional. Right? We're not in a situation anymore where you come to work, you get paid, end of relationship. It's far more complex and employees want more. So employees are demanding more purpose, better cultures. I mean, culture now, a bad culture is a higher predictor of turnover than anything else that happens in an organization. We've seen loads of instances recently and over the last couple of years globally that where employees aren't treated fairly at work or the public don't seem like they're being treated fairly at work, that becomes front page news. And so all of a sudden, when an employer does something that the public think isn't right or isn't appropriate, that becomes mainstream news. And so it's driving this changing attitude from everybody, shareholders, investors, customers, who are saying, actually, you've got to treat people better who come and work with you. Um, and again, really, really significant. And as I mentioned at the start, we now have evidence that most stakeholders agree the most important stakeholders change, and that's the employee. So how do we put those at the center of the business? How do we make sure that what we do in the workplace enhances somebody's life? So actually, an employee's better off because they come and work with you than they would be anywhere else. We're enhancing their life to such an extent that we're removing things like financial worries. So people have better home lives, better relationships with their partners and children. Again, lots of evidence to back this up. Uh, psychologists call this the gain spiral. If we can make people's home lives better and easier to deal with, they come to work and they're more productive, they're more innovative, they're more creative, they collaborate more, they get on well with their colleagues. That boosts that psychological safety, which is so important to team performance. So it's actually an employer's vested interests to look after their people because the data is now mounting that when we do that, they create better employee experiences, not just for the employee, but for the organization. Um, and I think lots of companies are probably grasping with how do I get my head around the fact that this is not necessarily just about money anymore and what else do I deliver in the workplace? So it's, yeah. it's fascinating. And I think that's mm -hmm. going to change rapidly, no doubt, over the next couple of years oh, as definitely. well. Definitely. It does seem obviously employee well-being is more important than ever especially ever since the pandemic. So it's definitely critical. And also it's interesting to hear the link between expenses as well. Um, but no, thank you for sharing your insights today, Geffen. It was great having you here today. Um, so thank you all for listening in and join us for our next series who will be joining with our customers to hear about their year in review with SAP Conquer. Thank you.